Hello, welcome to Interdependent Study, our podcast where we engage in the learning and unlearning work for social justice and collective liberation. I'm Damien. And I'm Aaron. Thanks so much for joining us today. For those new to our podcast, Interdependent Study is meant to be a space and community for folks who believe in and want to do the work of social justice. Each week, we will be bringing something new to the table and discuss our thoughts and feelings about it throughout through the lenses of who we are uh, and where we can go for a more just society. We want Interdependent Study to be a space where we're always learning with one another. So Aaron, you're up this week. What are you bringing to the table? Well, um, this week's episode is going to be a little bit different than usual. Okay. Um, when we were planning for this episode, we recognized that it would be published uh, the week after the inauguration of Joe Biden as the 46th president of the United States. Uh, and so we thought it would uh, be good to talk about that on our podcast here. Oh, that's right. And oh, Aaron, I mean, it's a new day. Joe <laughs> and Kamala are here. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they are. Joe Biden's our president. Kamala Harris is the vice president of the United States. Um, and in fact, uh, as has been said many times, I feel like over the last uh, couple months now, um, Kamala is the first female, first African-American and first mm. Asian-American vice president. Um, and that's a lot of firsts just within our new vice president. Absolutely. Say it again. That is, it's incredible, right? Uh, she is definitely the first in so many ways, but she is definitely not the last. I want to mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. say that. But, uh, and also it's wild that it took over 200 years for us to have someone that looks like Kamala Harris in a position like the vice presidency. But yeah, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, agreed. Um, but maybe it's not so surprising, uh, given some of the conversations we've had over the last few weeks uh, uh, just here on the podcast. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about how we haven't truly ever reconciled the history of the United States uh, in the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, we wanted to talk about uh, this week. We want to talk about the inauguration, uh, some of the events that led us here and some of the things that this new administration has done already. Uh, in the first few days. Uh, so this episode is going to be about the inauguration, uh, the 2020 United States presidential election, uh, the insurrection or coup that happened about th- three weeks ago as you're listening mm-hmm. to this, uh, and what it looks like to move forward. Um, also, just for the record, we're recording this on Friday, January 22nd, um, so you, some more things might have happened uh, since we recorded this um, as you're listening to this. Um but uh, Damien, where do you where do you want us to start with this discussion? Yeah, you know, uh, to be honest, it, it's only been a couple of months, but it has felt like a whole damn year since uh, back in early November when the election results uh, were confirmed and the inauguration that happened last week. Uh, but I guess that's just how time works uh, now. Um, you know, as I was thinking about and preparing for for our show today uh, and reflecting on the inauguration, really the first thing that comes to mind for me before we talk about the inauguration itself is actually what happened the night before the inauguration. Mm -hmm. Um, At the time, President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris hosted this uh, memorial ceremony to honor and remember the over 400,000 Americans who have died from COVID-19. They had set up 400 lights along the Lincoln Memorial Reflecting Pool, uh, with each one obviously representing a thousand people. And um, it was just moving. Um, It it was a moving ceremony and event. Uh, I mean, it was, it was, for me, it was just so wonderful to see a president 
an actual president, uh, and he's now our president, uh, acknowledge the tremendous loss of life that we've experienced in this country. Um, you know, Aaron, I'm truly heartbroken, and that's probably not uh, the strongest of words that I could use, mm-hmm. um, by the fact that over 400,000 Americans, 400,000 souls are just gone. Um, and and that that ceremony was really the first public acknowledgement and honoring of that loss on on a national stage like that. Yeah. So, um, so I, I I wanted to give voice to that event, uh, given what it represented and how terrible this pandemic has been, um, and, and how much it is part of our lives now, at, at least until we can get it more under control. Um, and and you know when I put the lens of social justice on this. When you look at how COVID-19 has impacted uh, communities of color in this country and and layer it with how poorly this country and our previous administration uh, responded to the crisis, it's it's hard not to draw a connection between those two things, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's astonishing how much we have just been uh, in a kind of business as usual mode um, pretty broadly, mm. without acknowledging the losses we've been suffering along the way um, of this pandemic, uh, or how much we've all been changed. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked about ongoing trauma, and I think uh, this is going to be with us permanently. Um, mm. And I mean that collectively, like, yeah, the, these deaths, this loss of life, um, so many people in, in a relatively short time span around sort of one cause mm-hmm. um, it is just, yeah, it's astonishing. Um, and that, that loss is going to be with us for forever. I think uh, for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, one of the things that highlights is how much we focus on individuality here in the U S mm-hmm. um, and how easy it is to um, sort of dismiss public health um, requests yeah. um, or guidelines um, and not concern ourselves with what is best or good for our whole community and really thinking about, well, like, I, you know, what's my individual right versus what's my responsibility to the community around me? And I, I've just, I felt that a lot in this um, as well as we've sort of gone through it and, and thinking about um, the loss of life just reminds me again of, of how much that individual over community like sort of dynamic plays out here in the U.S. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I mean, you know, we've had conversations about this before, mm-hmm. uh, about how wild it is that we really haven't collectively paused at any moment during this pandemic. And so uh, I agree. Um, and I think this is really going to have some long lasting impacts on us for sure. Um, you know, we started this by talking about the inauguration. So let's get to that. You know, the inauguration itself was incredible, I thought. Uh, I I definitely had it on the TV in the background as I worked from home that day, as I'm sure (laughs) many folks did. Um, You know, I don't know. This may sound a bit cliche, but I don't really care. Uh, It felt so good to see democracy win. Um, It was so good to see a new administration, a a worthy administration, in my opinion, take over and be sworn in to lead this country. Um, You know, I've I've watched a number of inaugurations in my life, and uh, this one certainly felt different and was different because of COVID and uh, because of all the safety concerns after the insurrection earlier earlier this month. Um, 
but I watched this inauguration with real hope and pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to say that I felt like I could finally breathe again after mm-hmm. four years of, of hell. Um, there, there's really no other way in my opinion to describe these past four years. Um, and so I felt like I could breathe again and that was such a relief for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think relief is a really good word for it. Um, I remember back when the election was called, um, in November, um, and I had this, this feeling of a physical weight lifted off of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's not everybody's experience. Um, you know, there's a lot of different reactions to the sort of election from sort of neutral, of like, all right, let's get back to work and let's keep moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the sort of elation of the work that was put in yes. by people to, to make that happen. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm, I'm also thinking about is that many of the things that brought us Donald Trump as president um, still exist and are embedded in our systems. That's right. Uh, yeah. And so it's a relief to me that he doesn't have the ability to abuse the powers as he did over the last four years. Um, but his ability to abuse those powers also reminds me of the work we need to do. Yeah. Um, you know, the, but the work does feel different now. Uh, now it feels like we get to fight for what we want to see and where we want to go mm-hmm. um, and what our people need collectively, like what we all need as um members of of this united states big community Mm -hmm. what do we need um and so we get to fight for things and a vision of a more just country rather than fighting against uh the plans of the white supremacists in trump's administration yeah all right call them what they are Mm -hmm. uh you know yeah i agree we have so much work to do um you know while i think while so many of us have those feelings of hope and pride that I talked about, um, it's definitely time to get to work. And I I don't envy President Biden or Vice President Harris or our newly elected representatives one bit because, you know, now this hard work uh, that we've been talking about or alluding to truly begins. Um, The inauguration certainly, I think, represented a huge victory in itself for so many of us. Mm -hmm. But the, the work that we're talking about here uh, that needs to happen is massive. The work is plentiful um, and it's certainly going to be difficult. And so uh, I'm really trying to be as ho- to be hopeful as we move forward. Yep. Um, and I was certainly pleased to see uh, the new administration get right to work on day one, you know, and President Biden signed some executive orders to get us back on track in so many different ways. Um, but the work that needs to happen to control COVID, um, to fix the economy, to a ad- address racial injustice and inequities um, and, and to deal with climate change. Uh, and, and that's just four little old things. Um, <laughs> you know, it's that all of that is going to require all branches of our government to work together. Um, and so, you know, let's hope we see that. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some hope for that work uh, as well. Um, and I think the, you know, it, it is some progress. Um Undoing a bunch of the awful stuff that Trump did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Biden did some of that stuff on day one, which is a good first step. Um, you know, we need to have an economy that's working for everybody. Yeah. Um, we need to address racial ju- injustice in policing and education and government and so many of the other structures we have. Um, uh, we already spoke about that pandemic for a bit, but an actual national strategy that's done in collaboration with states and yes. health experts sounds like a, a great start for Absolutely. addressing the pandemic that hasn't been happening. Um, 
And climate change is, you know, that's an urgently ongoing matter. We keep hitting uh, these mile markers that Mm -hmm. um, ecologists and climate scientists warn us about. And we just keep like, you know, barreling right through them. Um, And so I, you know, we really need to, to, to reconcile our, our behavior with that. Um, I'm also interested in, you know, um, how Mitch McConnell is going to wield whatever power he does have in the Senate. Um, you think like the Democrats have the Senate majority technically because Kamala would break a tie, but, um, it is 50 50. Um, so I'm curious like how he's going to block some of these progressive ideas. Um, and you know, Biden is well known as a moderate. Um, it's felt like something that he's carried with him his whole career, uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but I'm really kind of hoping that he sees the situation that he's been elected into. Um, I'm hoping that he sees that that calls for a much more progressive agenda and approach than yeah. uh, maybe what his uh, inclinations might be. Right? Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. And you know, Biden and his administration uh, still have to contend with Mitch and company yeah. uh, to to really address uh, all of the issues that we have in this country. Um, and so I know we're all going to be watching to see what happens um you know actually can we talk about one more thing about the inauguration i mm-hmm. i uh, it just came to my mind uh there was a part of it that i uh was just so struck by i think it was one of the most incredible parts of it uh, and i think a lot of folks feel this way given sort of i was glued to social media afterwards and uh this this was everywhere uh well actually an honorable mention thing for me uh, <laughs> was all the Bernie Sanders memes uh, yeah. from his attendance at the inauguration. I mean, I <laughs> I could not handle them. I think I have yeah. seen probably every single one that's out there on the internet. Uh, that's not true because people are just making them every day. Uh, so call that an honorable mention. But um, one of the most memorable, memorable parts of the inauguration for me actually was Amanda Gorman. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. She is, uh, let me get her title right here, the inaugural National Youth poet laureate Mm. um and she is this young black poet and activist and harvard grad um and she recited her poem the hill we climb uh, at the inauguration and i was definitely unaware of amanda gorman before this inauguration uh but now i am definitely aware of her and i'm a huge fan um so like i said she recited um this poem and it was incredible and i think it eloquently and beautifully describes the work we're all engaged in. Um, And so I I wanted to make sure that I uh, said a little piece of it and read a small part of it here because I think this particular excerpt really says it all for me. So Mm -hmm. in it, she says, somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president, only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge a union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gazes, not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't know that I don't have much to add to that. I mean, just thank you, Amanda Gorman for your words. I hope we hear more from you. Um, and I, and I also really just hope that your words bring hope and action to us. Cause I think they mm-hmm. were just, again, so profound. Yeah. Um, 
you know, she's a, she's a highlight for me as well from that day. Um, unfortunately, whatever feed I was watching um, decided that it was a good time to have pundits start talking about oh, the speech no. <laughs> um, that Joe Biden had just given. Um, so I didn't get to hear this poem live. Um, she was on the screen, but there were like these blowhards talking over her about what, jo- <laughs> what, what Biden had just said. Um, but since then, I've gone back and I've watched her recite it and I've read it um, as well. Um, and it was also, it was very moving to me as well. Um, and I think, um, there's another line that she had, um, about it's the past we step into and how we repair it that spoke Mm. to me as well, because there's a lot to repair. Um, I mean, you know, some of the stuff, uh, is working exactly as it was planned to, um, and creating awful unjust circumstances for people. Uh, And those things need to be sort of recreated, um, with everybody in mind. Um, but you know, I think she names the work ahead, um, and names that there is a lot of it. Um, you know, and there was another poem actually about the inauguration, um, Mm. published in the New York times and written by Jericho Brown. Um, and it was called inaugural. Okay. Um, and so he closes it out with this passage. If no one's punishment leads to my salvation, then accountability is what waits. It moves citizens, men's nations. That's for us to prove. That's the deed to witness. That's the single item on the agenda, read in braille or by eye, ink drying like blood, spilled this American hour of our lives. Mm. And so it's a poem that I feel like captures a lot of the complexity in this moment in a different way um, than Amanda Gorman's. And, you know, yeah. I'm not trying to, to like pit these two poets oh, and these yeah, two poems against each other at all. Um, it was just also something I saw this week um, that moved me um, because, you know, again, like he's acknowledging the complexity of this moment and some of the history that brought us there. And that's woven mm-hmm. throughout the poem. Um, you see all these references and uh, allusions to different things. And it's um, a really remarkable piece of art as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I hadn't seen that poem before, heard about it. And so I'm, I'm glad you shared it. I have to go back and, and look at it. Um, so we've talked a lot about the inauguration, but, you know, before the inauguration, there was the election. Um, uh, Those do come before. Yeah. They do come before, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, first things first, let's be clear. The 2020 U.S. presidential election was a free and fair election. Um, despite the utterly ridiculous claims of voter fraud um, made by Trump and several Republicans. Um, In in fact, it's come to light uh, that this election was one of the most secure elections in our nation's history. Mm. Um, And so it really irked the hell out of me that so much time was spent debating the merits and and results of the election. and, and, and so much of that debate and senselessness and, and wasted time, um, in my opinion, really spit in the faces of so many of us, especially uh, the black and brown folks who voted in this election, who, who turned out in record numbers um, uh, to make their voices heard uh, loud and clear about what we want and what we expect of our elected officials. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to me, it seemed like it was a conspiracy based on nothing, right? Like yes. a couple people saw more ballots coming into a voting location to be counted. Um, and so they just jumped on 
jumped to the conclusion that uh, it was fraud mm. and people were bringing in like doctored ballots um, instead of just valid ballots that were being brought into a county location to be counted. Yep. Um, so um, one of the other things that stuck out to me when we talk about the general election um, is the narrative that was put out there by Trump and the Republican Party that Joe Biden is this scary socialist. Mm. Um, and, you know, that that narrative is like sort of steeped in a lot of rhetoric throughout American history. Like, yeah. you know, I think obviously of like the McCarthy era mm-hmm. um, and the the red the red scare witch hunt that he um, led. Um, but there, you know, there's anti-socialist sentiment like before him as well. Um, and, you know, you think about Biden and you ask anybody who is sort of like, you know, um, doesn't consider themselves liberal, but maybe more progressive than that. Right. Um, and Biden's nowhere near a no. socialist, yeah, right? Like, no. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's a funny joke to people who might consider themselves to be socialists, um, that, Biden's being called one. Um, and so the stories that they wove about what he might do sounded actually um, sometimes pretty good to me. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. They're like, oh, <laughs> he said he's going to do that. And then the campaign comes out and they say, oh, no, 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 no we'd never do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and so um, it's bizarre to me that I still see people talking about how the Republic um, of the United States is now over because mm. we have a socialist as president. Right. Um, when that's like not even close to the truth at all. Um, and so that, you know, the conspiracy sort of continues in a different way. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree. Not close to the truth at all, at all. Um, you know, one of the other things I've been thinking about and, and I, I know I'm not alone here, but as we sit and talk about, um, all of this, um, I'm recalling sort of how I really went through and experienced sort of a, a wide range of, of thoughts and, and reactions and emotions throughout the entire election season mm-hmm. um, and cycle, if you will. And um, so much of that for me was connected to social justice and, and, and liberation work. You know, um, at, at, when I think about this, I sort of think about in my mind, um, sort of a timeline of events as it relates to the election, right? You know, we think about the, you know, first there was the weeks and months leading up to the election. Like you go way back to the DNC's decision to nominate Joe Biden and and folks on both sides had a lot of feelings about that. Mm -hmm. Um, There was all the campaigning that happened. um, And certainly COVID had an impact on campaigning and campaign events, what they could look like, um, who was able to access uh, the candidates, how how voters could even be reached. Um, and then there was uh, the debates. And I, I don't think anyone will forget uh, the shit show that was the very first presidential debate um, uh, or or the fly on Mike Pence's head during the vice president debate. <laughs> uh, but I, I think the, the, the very first presidential debate, but really all of them, uh, really illuminated so many of the issues we are facing, or we were facing, still are facing. Um, and, and many of those are things we've talked about today, but yeah. I think they really put a spotlight on them and just how ill-equipped and uninterested uh, Trump was to address them. Um, um, and, you know, I, I, I talked about COVID, but I think COVID had an impact also then on 
voting, right? The election itself and the physical act of voting, right? Like we saw Mm -hmm. more early voting, record numbers of that. You know, there was a lot more absentee ballots um, that were cast. All of the, um, all of the, things that happened with the United States Postal Service um, and their incredible delays, um, you know, voter intimidation, voter suppression tactics. Um, But, you know, then that led us to, you know, uh, a historic voter turnout, right? And we saw, uh, we saw that we saw the power and the voice of black women um, and, and how, you know, we've seen the the rhetoric out there that black women have saved us. um, but we we also saw, I think, you know, when you get to the election and sort of the the, the day of the night of um, the results were rolling in and we got to see just how split we were and, and are as a nation. Um, you know, we we saw for the first time in recent history, a president refused to concede mm-hmm. the election um, and in fact, openly lie to the American people over and over again. Yeah. Um, in sort of that night and the days and weeks after the election. And um, that just spurred so much, right? Because then we saw the weeks up until now, um, or, or sort of recently this month, uh, where we really should have been focused on transition of power. And instead, it was about almost everything but that. Um, and and that led us to things like what happened on January 6th, the attempted coup at the Capitol. And so, you know, it's when I sort of was thinking about that timeline in my head and sort of all the things that happened and that really probably just, you know, is tip of the iceberg, but um, it's difficult to really process everything associated with the election because there was literally just so much that happened and too much that happened. Um, But also so much of it was disheartening um, in so many ways. But like I said, I'm trying to be positive now it's over, (laughs) Uh, you know, uh, um, we, we've moved on. And, and as we talked about, I think um, the work that needs to happen can in some ways begin and in so many ways uh, can continue. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the work ahead. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that there is some um, ramifications, there's mm-hmm. some consequences yes. for um, the actions and behaviors of um, people who um, lied to all of us about the outcome of the election results. And, um, yeah, I think consequences need to be, um, strong. Cause I, you know, I think otherwise, I think we've said it before and, and quoted a historian, uh, who tweeted about this, like, uh, those kinds of insurrections and coups will continue, right. um, and be emboldened if they're not held accountable. So, um, and I think that has to start with the people who, um, presented us with these conspiracies. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, um, so, you know, aside from that, I'm really glad and happy that Trump is gone. Um, I'm grateful for the work of so many organizers who made that happen. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about, uh, the, the folks in Georgia, um, mm. the black voters matter project. Yep. Um, you know, Stacey Abrams has been lauded, um, and rightfully so. And all the, the people who worked with her, um, in creating these outcomes, um, you know, also kind of a, a shout out to showing up for racial justice. They yeah. moved a bunch of white people to call other white people in yeah. Georgia to encourage them to vote for um, Joe Biden in order to remove President Trump from office so they that did. we don't have to yeah. call him president anymore. Um, and so, um, yeah, I, like 
I think some celebration is 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 warranted because yeah. that's a lot of work to get to this point. Um, and I'm excited for once we've had our celebratory moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see what we can imagine for the country and and what we can imagine moving forward. All right. Um, so now that we've talked a little bit about what happened and a sort of our thoughts and perceptions on it, um, how do we apply this to our own lives? Yeah. Um, I think my first thought on this is a continuation, kind of what I just said. Um, if we could imagine something else for our country, what would it be? Mm. Right. Amanda Gorman said, where can we find light in this never ending shade? I think that's an important question because it's easy to critique this metaphorical shade that she's talking about yeah. in the poem. Um, it's easy to find ways that the shade is oppressive and harmful to all of us in um, different ways. Um, but what's the light? Um, what can we envision outside of that shade and what can we build um, together mm -hmm. in emergent strategy? Um, her book, Adrian Marie Brown said, I often feel I am trapped inside someone else's capability. I often feel I am trapped inside someone else's imagination and I must engage my own imagination in order to break free. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And I think those are good questions for us to consider. Um, you know, this may be general and, uh, a combination of application and homework, you know, homework's coming next folks. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but we've talked a lot about how the work we need Biden and his administration and our elected officials to do is grand. Um, yeah. And and I think, our, to, to be honest, our conversation today has really energized me. And I hope it's done the same for our listeners um, uh, to to really hold our leaders accountable um, and and to demand that we make progress on the work that needs to happen um, to address the the really pressing and in some ways dire challenges that we face as a country yeah absolutely um and so moving into homework right yeah um i think my idea for homework uh is for all of us to reflect on and find ways to plug into movement work somehow okay. um so if that's taking in a webinar where you can um and following an organization that's hosting that webinar that's great um if you got time or money to donate to a cause for justice and liberation that's amazing mm -hmm. um but we need to be in the movement work of imagining beyond what's considered to be possible right and i think that was my point i was trying to make about application is like how, what do we what do we imagine? How do we move forward? Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's great. Um, you know, I think my homework is for all of us to do some good thinking about how we move ourselves forward, if you will. Um, like, I think a good question for all of us to consider might be, you know, what is a, a concept or what is something that you're uncomfortable with and how will you work towards learning more about it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, for some folks, this might go back to or tie into our first episode where we talked about our identities. Right. Um, and so maybe there's some identity work that you need to do. Um, or or for other folks, this might tie into some of what we talked about today, I think, and, and, and how you might push yourself to learn more about a cause for justice and liberation. Um, and so I would definitely encourage all of us to do some thinking um, as we move forward. All right. I know I've, I know being excited about homework isn't really a thing that we do, <laughs> um, but I'm excited about this homework. Um, and actually I look forward to hearing from, from, from some folks about what they, what they're doing. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So, Damien, you're up next week. What are you bringing to the table in our next episode? Oh, Aaron, my man, I am really excited for us to talk about a documentary. Uh, and this will be the first documentary we've done for the show, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Uh, but the documentary is called Black Boys, and it came out on Peacock uh, back in August of last year. Um, and and Aaron, you'll remember this. When it came out and I watched it, I was I was so excited about it. I, I came over and I told you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but... Um, uh, so I, I think it's incredible, um, and I think everyone should watch it. And in fact, I hope you all do, since you're listening with us, so you can join in the conversation. Uh, but Black Boys is this fantastic documentary that discusses black male humanity in America through the lenses of education and sports and the criminal justice system and um, sort of relationships in general. Um, and it and it does an incredible job highlighting the importance and the power of vulnerability and resilience of black men in this country. Um, and so to me, it was, it was just a, this powerful documentary and I cannot wait to watch it again and talk about it next week on the show. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I'm looking forward to talking about it as well next week. All right. So with that, we want to thank you for joining us and listening to Interdependent Study. Uh, You already know what I'm going to say here, but in case you forgot, uh, please subscribe, leave a rating and a review, share our podcast and follow us on social media. We are grateful to and for all of you for listening. Absolutely. And remember, it's not about us, but it is about us. We'll talk to you next week.